Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You know, technology dominates most of our lives. I mean, do you remember what life was like without a smartphone? And cars these days are basically now just computers with four wheels. And in the future, all those cars will be self-driving vehicles. Every aspect of life is really affected by technology in one way or another. And that in turn means the demand for computing skills is exploding. Now, my guest today saw an opportunity to help children find joy and skill in coding. Hansel Lin founded the Coder School, which provides children aged 7 to 18 years with a welcoming environment to develop computer programming skills. Now, they've been at this for over six years now, with over 50 locations, 4,500 students, 750 staff, and lots of happy parents and kids. They've even managed to publish a couple of books on kids coding and now have a self-paced learning platform as well. But what sets them apart and what they are most passionate about is their code coding approach, something we'll explore on the show today. So if your child has an interest in coding or you'd like to give them that opportunity to explore this exciting space, then today's episode is for you. Hansel, welcome to the show. Hey, Jerry, thanks for having me on. appreciate it. It looks like you uh, really did your research about us. That's awesome. Sounds like you know a lot about us already. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, one, one of the amazing things about, you know, getting to know, um, you know, interview everyone on my show is like, is, I mean, every, every guest has an amazing story and I'm always fascinated by how, you know, people are trying to kind of change the world of education. So yeah, I was really intrigued by, um, by a lot of what you're up to and, and even just some of your, your backstory. I see you, you kind of started out in a, tr- a traditional path, kind of, you know, doing the high tech corporate world thing. And then at some point you're like, hmm, maybe I should help kids start to learn how to learn te- coding technology. How, how did that take place? Uh, well, that's, that's a great question. So, yeah, I was in the high tech world for quite a while. I'm out here in Silicon Valley. And, uh, um, I, you know, I just one day decided that the corporate world just, you know, a little bit too much red tape, a little bit too many bosses, that kind of thing, too much commute. <laughs> um, and so I decided to try the entrepreneurial side. And um, I, I, uh, the first thing I actually ended up doing is I became a franchisee of an uh, uh, education business called School of Rock. Um, I just okay. happened to see an ad for School of Rock, you know, and there was like a, pictures of kids rocking out with other kids on a stage, you know, and I was like, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, and I used to be in a band myself with my, my, my other buddies. And so I thought that'd be so amazing to have kids do it. And so that's kind of how I got into uh, <clears throat> the brick and mortar, uh, kind of the entrepreneurial side in the first place. Um, and that, I don't know, that was like seven or eight years ago. And as I was doing the School of Rock, I, you know, that's where I kind of realized you know, 
education for music, actually in a lot of ways mm. is similar to education for uh, technology and coding. Um, and of course, with my coding background, I decided, hey, why don't I kind of merge those two uh, things together uh, and give it a shot on my own? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, so you saw really, yeah, there's, there's, there was something about um, that approach that, as you said, kind of worked, worked in, in, in both areas. What was that, those first few years in the, in the School of Rock like? What, were, what, what, what made you realize, yeah, there, there's something here to this, this approach? Yeah, well, <clears throat> well, I mean, jumping into the uh, brick and mortar business from from high tech is this, that, that was a big, uh, you know, that was a pretty big jump uh, in the first place. So it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of learning about everything going into small business. Um, but I think the coolest thing about about School of Rock that I learned there is that it's it's a very much a learn by doing, uh, and that's that's really the philosophy of the coder school. Now it's it's you know at School of Rock you would come in. Uh, a kid would come in, you know, nine, ten years old, whatever, never had, had played guitar, and uh, the instructors would say, "Hey, what kind of music do you like?" They'd be like, "Oh, ACDC, you know, let's rock!" And <laughs> and be like, "Okay, well, let's just play some ACDC. You know, put your fingers here, put your fingers there, strum and go." And so it wasn't this. It wasn't this thing where it's like you have to learn these scales and you have to learn this theory. Mm. It was just like let's just put your fingers down and play it. And uh, it, it, you know, there was this strange sort of almost a lack of curriculum. It was less about you have to do A, B, and C. It was more about what do you like to do and I'll just show you how to do it. Uh, and then later on, we'll learn the theory. And I realized that that kind of learning style is really engaging for kids. It gives them ownership. It makes it lets them do what they want to do. And so that's exactly how we started Coder School, really, is you know we're just like, what kind of thing do you want to build? Let's just, we'll help you build it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, what, what that says to me is just really tapping into you know, what, what the kid's motivated in, what, he, what he's really interested in and, and channeling into that. And that in turn then, you know, builds that desire to then dive in deeper and then, you know, learn the things like scales or, or the skills that you would need to then accomplish that goal. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That exactly. Makes, yeah. makes total sense. So, um, wh what would you say to, uh, to parents out there, you know, who are listening in, um, why, why do you, why is learning to code, uh, why do you think they should consider that for their kids? Well, I could probably go the entire hour <laughs> talking about this. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think your lead-in was, was pretty good in talking about just how the entire world is, is really based around technology. Now cars are going to go autonomous and, you know, we got uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all this kind of stuff. Everything you look around, everything you look at um, has some kind of technology involved, even if it's, you know, say even just a pencil. Um, the pencil obviously doesn't have the chip in it yet. <laughs> But like whoever made the pencil, the factory probably had some, you know, factory robots or whatever. You got to have some billing systems. You got to have some supply chain systems. So everything you look at has something to do with technology. And all that technology has to have coders behind it. Somebody telling the computer what to do, you know, how to put that pencil through this grinder that, you know, shoots out a lead pencil or whatever. Um, and so there's just more and more of that coming as the future comes. And we just don't have enough manpower uh, really for, for our kids uh, in, in the next generation to be able to support that. Um, so we just need more and more kids. We want more and more kids to learn how to code so that they can uh, support that. That's sort of one side of it. The other side of it, which I think is a great bonus is that learning how to code makes your mind more logical by just almost by the definition, right? In order to code, in order to tell a, a computer how to do things, it has to be very step by step. You got to take a big problem, you get in, and splice it into smaller pieces. You got to think, you know, logically step by step. That's how you code. Um, and what that does is that helps a young person's mind become more used to doing that kind of thing for any kind of problem. 
So we've always said that coding, yeah, that'll help you for technology. But even if you decide to become a you know doctor, lawyer, plumber, artist, whatever, that will still just help you in life because it helps you with logic and, and planning skills. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I, I started out as a software developer myself way back mm -hmm. in the day. Right on, Cobol or something, um, probably <laughs> way back. Oh in the well, day. fortunately, not, that was not quite that that agent, <laughs> but uh, you know, definitely, uh, yeah. What was I doing? Uh, I had my first computer was a my first first program I ever worked on was like a Commodore one twenty eight. I remember. Um, <laughs> right on. I had one. Of those. I remember. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Yeah, I remember uh, I, I would get these magazines, and in the back of the magazines, I'd have this 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 code for a, a, a you know a program you could build, and it was all like machine code, like assembly language and whatnot. And I'd just be sitting there typing it in <laughs> endlessly. But but yeah, I know eventually eventually wrote my own stuff, and and uh, yeah, my first storage device was a cassette tape player. If you can imagine. Yep. So yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Awesome. Yep, definitely nice. do that. So yeah, I would agree. It definitely, you know, helps with problem solving. Um, I think also too, there's there's a couple aspects there. One is um, communication, right? To to write code is it off, it's really a way of expressing uh, intent, expressing um, um, something through a structured language that not only the computer needs to understand, but particularly if you're you know working on something with other people, I mean, they need to understand it as well, right? There's a collaborative community communicative aspect that then you know is important and pretty much no matter what you're going to do in, in future in yeah life. you know it's interesting there there I, I would actually separate that out with communication with people um, I, I i'm not sure that i would necessarily say coding helps that kind of communication because when you communicate with a computer it is very exact right so um a pretty famous example which you may have heard of it or have used that uh you know people explain what coding is um to, to let's say a child, uh, you, you would say, uh, let's uh, make a peanut butter jelly sandwich, right? And so the way you would do it mm -hmm. is you say, okay, so you say, take a piece of bread. So if I were to tell you, I'd say, take a piece of bread, put some peanut butter on, put some jelly on it, go, right? You can fill in the blanks and you understand what I mean when I say peanut butter. If I tell that to a computer, you know, sort of the, the, the quote unquote joke or whatever as, as you're going, if you're the teacher, is you would take that jar of peanut butter and you would start putting a knife on it and there's the lid is still on it. So you can't get right, to the peanut right. butter. And so the computer doesn't know that. And so you have to be very specific with the directions. And so the difference is when you tell a computer, you have to be exact. You have to tell mm -hmm. it, you know, you got to open this lid first, then you got to take the knife, you have to stick it in the middle and then just swirl around, you know. But if I'm talking to a person, I wouldn't say that. So the advantage of that with a computer is they're going to do it exact same way every single time. But, uh, but I also have to be very specific, right? But when I talk to a person, I can leave it high level and, and you you fill in the context, but you might do it differently every time. So it, I'd say it's slightly different. Um, it certainly helps with uh, trying to communicate to something, but it's in a very structured way, not in the same way that I would talk to a person. Right, for sure. So yeah, I can I can think of uh, my, my days back when I was uh, doing a lot of coaching with, with teams and not so much on the tech side, but... You know, some of the some of the spaghetti stuff that would be written as as code ends up being uh, quite entertaining to see how they put their uh, their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches together. <laughs> entertaining, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, so you've been doing this now for a number of years. Um, what are some of the let's talk about some of the right ways and wrong ways to learn? Then, you, and you've kind of hinted a little bit about you know what you think is mm. a more effective way to to learn coding. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think to me, one of the biggest sort of uh, myths that we have with parents coming in 
Um, and even new coaches and new staff, new everybody else, I think a lot of people assume that the best way to do a business like this is a curriculum. Um, and I think we're all very used to curriculum. You know, you go to your public school, you go to the grades one through five or whatever it is, and um, there's always a curriculum. Um, and I've, I've always, I, you know, I, I, think, I think what I've come to believe, I guess, is that the curriculum, the purpose of the curriculum is really to make the job of the teacher easier so that they can teach 20 to 25 kids at one time because they're all learning the same thing and you can grade them and say, you're, you're doing well, you're not doing well. But really, I think that that, that sort of methodology is, isn't the best way to learn the code if, to learn to do anything really, if you have the right uh, ratio. So if you have a small ratio, one to one, one to two, um, my argument is you don't need a curriculum. What you need is immersion. So you need to be able to just sit down with somebody and just do it and do it at the speed that they want to do it at uh, and, and, and the uh, subject matter that they're interested in, right? And so, so that way you don't, um, you don't uh, do all the superfluous things that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because like, my, 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 uh, my kids will come home from elementary school or whatever and they'll say, hey, I just spent three months learning about the king penguin. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's awesome, but what are you going to do with that information, you know? Um, uh, now, it teaches them how to learn, but it's, it's like things like that that, uh, you know, when I went to college, I went to school for a computer science major, did all these theories, but, you know, binary this, assembly language that, and all these theories, but it's like mm -hmm. all that stuff went out the door. I didn't need any of that. What happened no. is I, I learned how to code by going to my job, right? And yeah, like yeah. the boss said, so code this. And that. That. Yeah, yeah, I think, <laughs> and, and not just computer science, I think any degree, right? Your degree, the mm -hmm. curriculum, it's all this theory, the stuff that's, that you check the mark and say, I learned all this stuff. But in practice, it's like, do you really use that stuff? So that, that's, that's, I think, I, I think that's, that's where a lot of parents are, are kind of mentally thinking because that's how our, our model is traditionally structured. But instead, we like to go to the emergency town, just sit down next to somebody and just, let's just build something. Yeah, more of a, more of a, I'd say more like more of a, a mentoring approach, right? Where, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A mentoring and immersion approach, right? So, right. so uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the analogies that we, we use quite often is if you wanted to learn uh, Chinese, for example, you know, is, is it better to go to class and study all these books and learn all these words that you may or may not use, butterfly or whatever, or do you want to just go with me to China, you know, and let's just walk around China and I'll translate as you go, you know, and then after a while, you just know what to say, right? Because it's immersion. So we're kind of that immersion style mentor, you know, mentor with an immersion. <laughs> kind of twist. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, so let's say, you know, so I've got a, you know, I've got a son, Graham, who's recently been showing a more interest in, in wanting to, uh, to do some coding. Awesome. He's, he's had a little bit of exposure. He's done like some scratch and a few other, you know, other languages like that, but nothing, nothing like a, with a proper, like, um, you know, developer environment, but now he's got a, you know, he's got a VR headset. So he's all into, you know, playing Oculus games sure. and stuff. And he's like, yeah, dad, I, I like to play, I like to build a, a VR game. So let's say, you know, um, if he was, you know, with this mindset and interest, you know, we were to look at say going to a coder, coder school, you know, what would, uh, what would that start look like for him? So it's all about it's all about assessing where that child is at, um, and and I think that's a lot of times we have to do a little bit of education because uh, you know some kids will come in and, and they'll say oh hey I, I want to make uh, an e-commerce website that makes me a million dollars it's like oh, no. <laughs> like wait a second right. wait a second you know not everybody could do that number one but number two you barely know how to type so I'm pretty sure we need to step back a little bit <laughs> so there's Fair there's enough. a lot of media unfortunately out there that has. Uh, 
you know, the articles are about, well, this eight-year-old kid built something on the iPhone, they put it on the, you know, the dev store and boom, he made a million dollars. Well, as it turns out, he got, yeah, it turns out he got lucky, right? Or he used some other platform or whatever, but he didn't really know what he was using. And it was like one in a million. Most kids, you got to start at your basics, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we would do is we would assess Graham. Um, He he is in middle school, I think you said, like, is that 12, 13 years old, something like that? Yeah, he's 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 fourteen. Yeah. It's fourteen. Okay, so I going in. Well, in the U.S., I would be going into high school. Uh, so so typically, those kids at that age are probably beyond Scratch. Scratch um, for those uh, listeners out there who haven't heard of it, it's a really great tool for uh, young kids uh, to learn how to code because you don't need to learn how to type yet. You can drag and drop blocks uh, together. And it's the same concepts as any other coding language, but you can make things much faster. You can make games and whatnot really quickly. Um, and so we almost always start with with that because it 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 allows kids to under uh, get a grasp of how coding works uh, very quickly. Uh, but once you get yeah. to be fourteen or so, you know, we typically try to go into a language like a Python or a JavaScript, and we would just assess Graham. Where are you at? Like, do you understand the fundamentals of of arrays and loops and functions and whatnot? Um, and then we would help him research how a VR game works. Now, does that, does that mean he can get to it in this next year uh, or in three years or four years from now? We actually don't know. And we won't know until we start working with him. Um, and I think that's another fallacy a lot of parents have as well. They always come in and say, uh, okay, my kid is you know, nine or whatever. Where will he be in one year? And we're like, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> I mean, is the kid any good at it? Do they, have they ever done it? Do they have a, you know, are they, are they doing homework in the middle of the week? Uh, you know, so there's a lot of variables and that we just kind of use that kind of style where we go with the flow. We don't specifically say by one year you have to do this or that. We, we meet with a kid and we find, we find out what they're liking, what they're liking to do uh, and what mm-hmm. their skill level is. And we just kind of go from there. Yeah. And I would, I'd imagine, and just, as you say, kind of really keep tapping into what keeps them motivated, right? Because I imagine part of it too is, I mean, a kid can have a lot of, enthusiasm at the start, but you know, that, that enthusiasm can start to wane as it starts to get harder and more challenging and exactly. feel, feel more like work than play. So how, how do you, yeah. how do you keep fostering that? So they keep coming back, you know, week after week and keep developing those skills. I, I think it's that empowerment and engagement thing. And so you, you brought up a really good point because there, there are a number of parents and it's a balance, right? So as a parent, you know, you and I both know that you, you know, sometimes you got to push your kid a little bit. But we also know that sometimes you can push your kid too much. So I've seen plenty of parents that, that are like, okay, my kid is you know, only eight years old, but I want him to learn Java now, you know, because they just, they want the best for their kid and they want them to get into Stanford or whatever. And so they want to start them early. Um, and so we always recommend, oh, well, that's, we probably don't want to do that, but the parent insists and we try it anyway. And within the first hour, the kid's like, coding is terrible. I'm, I'm terrible at it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to type. I can't get anything to work. And so why is code? Why do people want to code? I don't know. I quit. Right. And so so a lot of times you end up pushing too hard because kids just aren't ready for, quote unquote, the real mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Yeah. So so it's a big negative to, to watch out for. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit more about then the, the, the coaching style. So as you point out, mm-hmm. like a big thing for you is is kind of that that direct uh, that what you call like your two on one approach. Um, Kind of curious, like what kind of coaches do you do you have? Um, yeah, yeah. And 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 tell us a little bit more about this this two on one style that you know. I guess after trying different things, you've kind of zeroed in on it's kind of like the 
the, the sweet spot for for making this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so <clears throat> we have tried different styles, and uh, you know we've always had two on one, but we also have you know a class style and we have a self paced style as well. But we've hundred percent found that the two on one works the best. And the idea is because it is two on one, it's such a small ratio that we're able to customize uh, what each kid is doing. If maybe the pair of kids together, but potentially each kid themselves could be doing two different projects as well. Um, by having two kids, uh, it also allows them to sort of play off of each other, uh, help each other debug, help each, you know, show off to each other, have become friends, that kind of thing, make it more social. Um, but the idea is by, by having this small ratio, we're able to say, okay, uh, it looks like you're at this level uh, you know, Johnny, where, where you're making uh, tank games that can, you know, have an AI tank that comes around and chases you. Uh, and Sally, you're at this level where, you know, you're going to have this, this other kind of game that shoots balloons and blows up uh, whatever uh, ninjas that come flying at you, right? And so, there, you know, those are things that they happen to be specifically interested in. And that, that by doing those things that engage them, that makes them want to learn more, right? So instead of saying things like, this is what an array is, this is how a list works, it's more like, let's blow up that ninja. You know, and so, <laughs> you know those kind of things gets the kids more interested and you know, they can see something that's built on the screen and, and, and then, they, then they wanna do more. So you know, it's back to that whole thing where we're trying not to throw out these words, these theory words, uh, because then it does become too academic and too boring. Then it feels like mm -hmm. school. We want them to feel like, hey, coding is awesome. This is great. Let's keep doing it. And then as they do it more and more, then we kind of start slipping in those words. Hey, you know, you just used an array there. That's this is what that is. Let's, you know, let's talk about it, you know. Right. More by discovery. That's yeah. That's, makes yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Um, what are what are some of the cooler projects you've seen um, students create in, in your uh, in your program? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's been, you know, some of these guys do some stuff that just kind of blow me away. We, so we, uh, we're actually a big, a sponsor of, a uh, big sponsor of this uh, thing called the Congressional App Challenge. And so uh, the United States uh, House of Representatives, actually, each, uh, uh, many districts around the United States uh, participate. And it's basically a contest within each district uh, for best app. Uh, and so we're a sponsor of theirs, and we always, you know, push all of our kids to uh, enter this contest as many as possible. Um, and this last year, I remember the winner in in one of our New York locations. Uh, it was a team of uh, three or four kids. I think they were uh, high school juniors, maybe something like that. And what they built was um, an AI uh, drone COVID app. <laughs> now, those are three of the biggest app, you know, buzzwords right already. So it's like that already sounds awesome. <laughs> So, um, so what it was, was it was, uh, it used drone to take video of people mm. walking around and it used AI to determine what was people and how far apart people were. <laughs> and it would blink these red squares on their faces if they were closer than six feet. Wow. Now it wasn't a production application. It was a demo, but, but I was uh -huh. blown away because I was like, I don't even know how I would do that. So some of these kids are really, they, they know how to use YouTube or whatever it is they use and dig in and really get going, you know? Yeah, that's, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. And uh, yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe China will be knocking on their door to see if they can uh, license, <laughs> license some of that software. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, kind of curious too, like through the, through the years, what, what are some of the, what some of the, been some of the, the challenges, maybe some of the, the, you know, failures, lessons learned along the way as you've, as you've grown this into a, uh, you know, a pretty sizable um, uh, organization. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I mean, of course, we've gone through a number of challenges. I, I, I think the first one that always pops to my mind is 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 uh, the fact that I've always pushed back on being repeatable. So, so as uh, as a business, I, you know, and living in Silicon Valley, everybody always tells me you gotta you gotta ha- you gotta make some repeatable, scalable thing, such as a curriculum or a uh, software or something that you can just stamp out to as many people as possible, and that's how you grow big. I've heard so many people say that, and uh, and even parents. Well, parents will come by and say, "Hey, what, what's the curriculum?" You know, surely you have some kind of kind of, kind of curriculum. But I've always pushed back and said, I, "You know, I know everybody thinks this repeatable curriculum is the right way to go, but I just don't think it is. The best way is to just sit down, you know, one on one, one on two, and just let me just talk to your child, and we'll just get them through it." So what what happens over time is what uh, what I've realized is it's a it's a purposeful sacrifice for the amount of work that we put in because it takes a lot more work for us to do a two-on-one. So we mm. purposefully are sacrificing that amount of work to reschedule, to figure out what to teach the kid and do all these things in a very custom way. We're purposefully spending more work on that um, in order to give them better quality, right? Because I, I think the repeatable curriculum and all that stuff, it's, it's, it, what it does is it allows you to do less work, but also lowers your quality. And so, so that's my biggest learning is that, you know, I've always pushed, you know, in the beginning I pushed back and I was like, oops, should I really be pushing back? Maybe I should have a curriculum. <laughs> but, you know, after, after the years go by, I'm like, you know, this is the right approach. You know, it's got to be custom. Every kid is different and we have to treat them differently. Uh, so I, I, I think that's to me is the, the biggest sort of challenge that, I've, you know, now I'm confidently, I'm confident that I've, I have the right answer. <laughs> custom is the way to go. Awesome. And curious too, like with, with that, I would think that also puts some, um... You know, perhaps a bit more more risk or or responsibility on, on the coaches, right? Yeah. Which you know, every coach is going to be a little bit different in in some ways. So, um, what have been some of the challenges with that, and how have you been able to kind of mitigate, you know, I guess you know, any any risks around that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, like you said, we have uh, you know now we have like probably over eight hundred coaches around the country, um, and they all have a little bit of a, a different personality. Um, you know, the key to remember is that for us, we're not, these aren't all like super high tech, you know, you know, folks with CS master's degrees that could be working at Google. Although we have some of those, most of them are, you know, they're more like CS majors, you know, they're, they're people in college, um, but they're not the, they're not like technical architect level, you know, top of the top of the charts coders. What they are is they're really good with kids. And, mm. and, and they know how to code at a basic level and they're really good with kids. And so the idea is we want to be able to engage uh, these kids. And so that's why that's most important for us. Um, in the beginning, you're right. It's, it's, it, it was hard to sort of uh, uh, ensure quality because we had so many different coaches. Um, after a while, what we realized is we need to, to, to sort of make a structure around it and, and be able to, you know, have have a better accounting of what people are doing, what people are teaching and how they're teaching. So uh, we do have a lot of custom systems, uh, you know, that that write down notes and, you know, coaches are supposed to say, these are the concepts that you're learning. And these are the, you know, this is what you've done this week. This is what the homework is for next week. So it's all sort of organized and there are graphical charts and whatnot. And so uh, it is structured around that. Um, but to be honest, really the best way to ensure quality is to just sit and watch a little bit talk to the kid, mm. see what they're building. You know, in the end, it's still that soft approach. You know, parents are always asking like, what, what level is my kid? You know, are they level <laughs> nine? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not giving them a number, but let's just see what they built. You know, so, 
um, in the end, the, the quality is a lot more about that. And so, so we always push our, our managers and uh, owners to, to get in there and really understand what the, what the kids are building. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, it really speaks to, um, I think to just honestly, a, a refreshing approach to looking at education, right. In the face of, you know, a world that's very structured, right. And very standardized yeah. and, you know, your kids are, are in standardized stuff as well. Um, yeah. I think with the, especially with the pandemic and everything, it's, it's really, you know, we have an opportunity now to start rethinking, I think the way we look at the way kids learn and, and, and how to learn and, and how to keep it fun and interesting. Um, so I, I love that the fact that you're, you're making parents kind of, you know, make their head go a little, uh, um, <laughs> realize it's not just about yeah. some certification or some, right. you know, some test and test score. Like yeah. it's, it's really just about kids and, yeah. and helping them do something purposeful and meaningful and, and tapping into passions. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. And it's a learn. challenge, you know, cause a lot of people come in thinking, you know, what's the certification, what do they get at the end of it? And sometimes it takes us a while to educate the parents, but we've, we've certainly had, a, you know, our fair share of parents who come in asking for that. And then after a couple of lessons, they're like, Oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> I, I get what you're talking <laughs> about now. You know, this makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I think I'm curious about too, is like, and obviously, you know, you've got brick and mortar, locations now with COVID and everything, it sounds like you're doing everything um, online right now. Is that, is that the case or? Uh, we are doing both actually. So, so it's, uh, you can imagine the United States, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're all over the country. So it's pretty, uh, conditions are fairly different depending on what location or uh, what the location is in. Um, so some schools are doing almost all online because parents aren't ready to come in yet. I'd say a lot of California schools are doing a lot of, you know, mostly online. Um, you know, we have some schools over, uh, you know, like in Florida, for example, uh, it's predominantly in person. Uh, so it really depends on the school. Uh, we all do offer online um, and we all encourage people to come in as, 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 uh, as they feel safe, because we feel like the better way is to be in person with your coach. Uh, mm -hmm. But what we're going to do is offer this hybrid uh, and allow the parents to choose one way or the other um, until we you know, hopefully get out of this COVID mess, uh, you know, shortly, hopefully. So, so just, just curious, I mean, particularly for like, say someone like myself, who's in Canada and, and has no hope of getting more close to one of your locations, um, <laughs> you know, is it, do you generally make it available, um, in some way to, um, like students who might be just in, in all kinds of different countries or is it, is it designed to kind of be more close to that location? Yeah, no, we, we do teach uh, people from around the world. Um, we don't market to people around the world, but if they come to us, we will certainly teach them uh, through the online format. And so, you know, that, you know, before, before um, COVID happened, actually, I, I had said that um, online teaching was not allowed in our system because I just didn't feel like it was, you know, it was online, you know, it's, and it's hard to, you know, yeah, I don't know what the kid is doing, you know, behind the screen or whatever. And so, um, but as soon as COVID happened, we, we made like within a week, like everybody was online and it was a really tough move. But what we found is it's actually not, not that bad of a product. Uh, it's not as good as being in person, but it still works because we're two on one. That's the biggest thing. Um, it's very hard when we teach our classes, when we have six kids, eight kids, 10 kids on, on the zoom, it's very hard to teach them. Oh, wow. code. Yeah. But when That's... it's two to one or one on one, it works really well. Um, and so, so yeah, so because the product still works pretty well, we're able to offer it, uh, you know, sort of anywhere in the world that comes to us. Awesome. So, um, what, uh, where do you see the quarter school going next? What kind of some of your future plans or ambitions, exciting things in the works? 
Uh, you know, so I, I, I actually don't look at, that, at it that way. You know, I'm, I'm a different kind of CEO in the sense that I, I, I don't have specific goals and specific vision. I kind of do it more organically. Um, we're actually not marketing, for example, uh, you know, our franchising side, new locations, whatnot. I'm sort of letting people come to us. My uh, focus is more like, how can I get my current locations doing better? Uh, what kind of tools do they need? You know, what kind of new processes and, and whatnot? Um, at one point, we did think about doing an eSport league, actually, within our uh, oh, yeah. schools. So we'd have, you know, Palo Alto versus New York or whatever, like something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll have to see if that pans out. I, I know we're all really busy teaching kids to code already. So adding another business line probably isn't, uh, you know, a lot of people probably don't have enough time for that. But, uh, you know, things like that where, where I, you know, I, I, um, my, my leadership team and I, we're, trying, we're always trying to figure out how can we make our current, you know, base of schools better than they are. And if new person wants to come in and, and join us, well, hey, I'm happy to talk to them, but we're not focusing on, you know, trying to bring in uh, new people like that. Awesome. So just curious, any anything else you'd like to, to share to, to, to parents um, just from your experiences um, teaching kids to coding for their, for their kid who may be, you know, showing some interest or, or maybe they'd like to expose their kids to, to coding? I mean, I, I think that's just it is like every parent should get their kid to code. I, you know, whether it's through us or through, uh, you know, some online method or another school, uh, you know, just do it. Um, you know, our, our method may not resonate with everybody and, and, you know, no method does. And so there's other methods out there, but the key is that this world is going to need more and more coders in the future. So let's just get them to code. However they do it, get them to code. Awesome. Well, um, it's, it's been a, a great conversation with you today, Hansel. Um, really refreshing, honestly, um, and just in your approach and, and your vibe. I mean, it's clear that you're really passionate about about kids and about um, you know our planet and and you know making it uh, a better place through the world of technology. Um, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Right on. Well, thanks uh, so much, Ray. I really appreciate uh, you having me on.